Today you are going to be hearing a sermon from one of our ministers here on staff. We hope this word blesses you and remember that we love and appreciate your time here. Now, let's hear what the Lord has for you today. Pastor Ruben, on behalf of Pastor Ruben, our senior pastor, we welcome you as well. Go ahead and have a seat this evening. Just a little update. Uh, my wife and I, as, as you well know, um, uh, along with Pastor uh, Soto, uh, Danny and Yvonne Soto, we, we got sent out on uh, this past conference. And um, we're, we're in the process. I've been, you know, in the San Gabriel uh, Valley, so I'm just broadening my uh my uh search and um you know i got a text today that uh, uh a gentleman who was looking for a, a spot for me he said he has a couple potentials so i just want to ask that you guys just continue to pray for us and just uh just uh, you know what god's gonna do what god's gonna do amen we're excited and uh to see what god is gonna do what you know where, where he has us because how many know jesus is coming Jesus is coming, and, and we are in a time right now where, you know what, we ain't got time to waste. I, I got a huge family, and uh, you know what, wherever I go, you know, you got family out there, send all your crazy family to me. I love them. <laughs> Amen. I, I, at the conference, people were coming up to me, you know, showing me pictures of the, you know, he gets out of prison in three months. I'm going to send them to you. Send them to me. Hallelujah. God, God, God will do a work there. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of of 1 John, chapter 4. Tonight I want to speak on, titled it, Called to Greatness. How many know that God has called us to greatness? It's been said that a good percentage of God's people never fully reach their potential in the kingdom of God. They never fully uh, grasp what God is trying to do in their lives, and they, they become a percentage. There's a, a recent poll that was done uh, of, of the churches in America, and they said that 25% of the people that attend churches are committed, committed to Christ, committed to their church. So that tells me, what is the other percentage they said it's greater than 60 percent some uh, people that you have will just come in and show up they maybe woke up that day and said you know what I want to come to church today or but then that 25 percent that has said you know what I want more and more and more of Jesus I want all that God has for me. I want to, I want to do what God has called me to do. I want to, 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 to just operate in the, in, the, in the realm of the Holy Spirit and allow God to do that great work inside of my life. That is a small percentage. The Bible says in Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, 5, that, that, they are with, that they will appear to have a godly life, but they will not let its power change them. And then he warns them, he says, stay away from such people. Now, these are people that, that Paul's writing is, is that, you know, these are people who, that they have a form of godliness, one version says. They have a form of godliness, but they deny the power. How many know that there is power in the word of God? There is power in what God is doing in these last days. I see what God is doing in this church and the transformation of men and women who have committed to God. 
People who have said, you know what, God, I want to be the best that I could be in the kingdom of God. And it takes a commitment. Philippians, Paul writes, tells them that to approve the things that are excellent. See, in our text, if you'll turn there, 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. And I want to, they're going to put it up, and I want us to read this together. Because there's something powerful when you speak the word of God. When you speak it out. The Bible says that there's life in it. So I want us to read it all together on the count of three, okay? Now stay with us. I know there's somebody that's always a word off, but let's do it together. Amen? Okay. Three, two, one. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them because... Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. See, when you tap into the greatness that is within you, that is when you are able to function in the supernatural. See, in the natural, we're, we're, we, we're limited. There's only so much that we can do. There's only so much that we're able to do. But when you tap into the supernatural, I love what the NLT versions, it says, you have already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. The Holy Spirit within you. Sunday message was a call to revival. A call to revival. See, everyone's speaking of revival right now. We see it, the Ashbury Revival. They're going on, I don't know how many days of continuous. You know what they're doing? They don't got no big name preachers. They're, they are worshiping. They are praying. They are glorifying God. They're exalting the name of Jesus. He says when you exalt the name of Jesus, he will draw all men unto himself. So there's something amazing that when you come into the presence of God and you are open and you say, you know what, God, I want all of you. I want you to speak to me. God, the Holy Spirit will just touch you. And then he'll bring conviction. See, we need to get away from referring to the Holy Spirit as something. You ever hear people say, well, you know what? I was going to turn down that way and when that car thing, but something told me not to. <laughs> he has a, a name. The Holy Spirit. You know, when you see what God is doing in the churches, in people, and when you see somebody get it, there's nothing more exciting when you see somebody get it. A few weeks ago, one of the brothers here from this church called and asked if I would go to a hospital and go pray with someone. And one of the brothers here was going to meet me there. And you know what? I just jumped in the shower and I went, met the family there, and we got there. And you know, there's something very dire when you walk into an ICU because the nursing staff is so overwhelmed with the cases that are there. And I got a look from several of the staff members that this is one thing. When we go pray for somebody, we don't go to give last rites. We're going to pray. 
And we prayed. And, you know, we, 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 we said, you know what, God? Your will be done. We anointed our hands with the oil, and they declared this gentleman brain dead. Now, to declare a person brain dead, they have to conduct an EEG to make sure that there's no brain activity. And they've already done two, and they determined. And they were set to pull the oxygen and take them off of the ventilator, and he would succumb to his illness or his disease or whatever, his brain injury. But there was something there. There was a powerful, powerful presence of God. And I remember the brother just kneeled down right there, and we prayed for a good 10 minutes. And I could feel the Holy Spirit in that room, and we just prayed and prayed. And the person who was deciding that this was, you know, they, they gave us a time frame, a, t- a small window. They said, look, if, if, if that person's going to come and pray, they better do it now because we're going to make a decision very soon. But when we prayed, how many know that when God puts his hand, I got a video today. Long story short, they did that third EEG and he had brain activity. Had brain activity. He still hasn't woken up. But the video that I got today was him telling, they were asking him to move his hand, and he was moving his hand. And that's only something that is able to be done when the brain tells you to do it. So he's not brain dead. He's not brain dead. So when you have the greatness inside of you, the Holy Spirit, you're able to just say, you know what, God, not by my might, but by your power. You're anointing God. Use me as a vessel. Use me as a vessel, God, to lay hand on on the sick. Speaking to diseases, speaking to illnesses, speaking to situations, saying, God, devil, I come against you. I rebuke you. You will not take my children. You will not take my health. You will not take anything that God has given me and God has blessed. But what does it take for us as the people of God? There are several things that I wrote down that I feel that are crucial, crucial to the the Christian who wants to develop. Now, if you want to be part of that 75% and you want to just be, you know, part of a a seat filler or, or, or whatever they call it at the Oscars, when someone's not there, you're able to go fill their seat. We are here today and God is calling people to stand up in these days. Stand up and be counted. Stand up and be a voice. Stand up and say, you know what? I am not going to allow the enemy to steal from me no longer. No longer. So what is it going to take? The first thing I wrote down, it's going to take a commitment. There is a commitment. A true character trait of a champion mindset is the ability to stay loyal to what you said you were going to long after the mood. Long after the mood you said it in has left you. How many know that we we could say things, we could make commitments but then after a while, things were, uh, go by and trial comes and, and tribulations come and, and, you know, a headache and chaos and everybody's on your back. People aren't talking to you. And then that commitment starts to say, you know, what did I, what did, what did I, what did I commit to? And then you question it long after the mood when you set it in. Commitment. 
You nourish your motivation. The question we ask ourselves is, we must ask ourselves is, what is my purpose? One person said this. He says, if you can't figure out your purpose, figure out your passion. For your passion will lead you right into your purpose. See, we all have a passion for something. We do. And it's always evident. You could speak to somebody in 10 to 15 minutes, you will find out what their passion is. If it's God, if it's the things of God, or if it's your gaming, or if it's your hobby. See, we could get caught up in these things. And I'm not saying it's not nice to have hobbies. I'm not saying it's not, it, it, it's, it's sin to, to, you know, to, to own a, a game. Uh, I was going to say Game Boy. That's old, right? <laughs> but, but, you know, get into these things. But when that is your, that is your man, you, you have no problem spending hours into this. And prayer is a sacrifice. Prayer is a, is a struggle. We, 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 you know, we, we get on our knees and we run out of things to say in two, three minutes and we go, oh, thank you, Jesus. And we're wondering why we have no power. We wonder why, you know what, uh, we don't see the things. We don't, you know what, when you start to get close to God, God starts to show you through his eyes. You start to see people's needs. You start to see the hurting. You start to see those that are downtrodden. And you have that heart of Christ where you say, you know what, I want to make their life better. I want to bring the gospel to them. I'm going to tell them about Jesus. See, we have so many programs. We have so many, so many social programs out there right now. Right now, I, I was listening to a message yesterday. There's many times where the homeless don't even want them. You know, you offer them, say, hey, man, you want to get off the streets? You want to do this? You want to get into the home? And all, you know, and I, well, can I bring my dog? Can I bring my shopping cart? Can I bring all these things? My little village, I have four shopping carts welded together, and they, and they don't want it. So what do we do? We move on. We say, you know what? There's going to be somebody else. There's going to be an, another individual that's listening. You know, sometimes we just have to just, you know, put down our, 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 our guards so many times. Have you ever not preached the gospel to somebody because you didn't? Nah, I don't want to do that. They look like they're going to snap on me. I don't want to. And you just take that time and just, you know, just give them a track. Invite them to church. Just say, you know what? Jesus loves you. And just leave it there. Maybe you planted a seed. Maybe you watered a seed. Maybe God will allow you to harvest that seed. See, we never know where a person is at. We never know if that's that person's last moment here on earth. We never know that. And we need to treat those times as precious. See, to have a purpose and a passion, it has to mean something to you. And you have to value it. It's not just church. It's not just the Bible again. It's not just, you know, where we feel. You know, there's these generations where, you know, I loved how it was brought out on, on Sunday where pastor says, you know what? Get yourself a Bible. Remember about a year and a half ago when the Internet went down and nobody had Instagram, Facebook or anything? Remember how crazy people got? 
it's true. It's like, you know, what do we do with ourselves? Have a Bible. Keep a Bible. Don't rely so much on the electronics. See, when you leave, when you have real, a real purpose, you will not give up. You will not give up. Purpose gives you the motivation to keep going. Even in those moments when you don't feel like going. When you don't feel like praying. When you don't feel like worshiping. When you don't feel like serving. When you don't feel like showing up. You don't feel like answering your phone. You don't feel like doing anything. Anything. You just want to just be, just sit there, you know, feel sorry for yourself. A pity party, party of one, and you didn't invite nobody. And then sometimes you have to encourage yourself and tell yourself to snap out of it. Snap out of it. Suck it up, buttercup. Suck it up. You know, we live in a time now where people get so hurt for so little. And they're guarding their words. When I was reading this article that was telling ministers how to alter their messages so they're friendly... There's a new term that they're using. It's called me-centric. Where they focus on you. Find a church that celebrates you. Find a church that is catered to your needs. That sounds a whole lot like compromise to me. Where you find that church that makes you feel good. Look at I want to be told what I need to be told. I need to be told because if I'm not listening, I'm not, I'm not paying attention, I'm not learning, I'm not growing. And these are the things where God is constantly bringing us to a place of righteousness. You know, where God is saying, you know what, this is what's wrong with you. Listen, I have a whole lot of things wrong with me, man. I mean, you know what, you guys see me at my best, my family sees me at my worst. And they still love me, thank God for them. Thank God. I have a wonderful family. My girls, man, I, I, I was telling, I got, I got wonderful girls. And you know what? I even got Alexa. Alexa tells me stuff to do now. <laughs> tells me on Sunday, don't forget to throw out the trash. <laughs> it's been said that many people are more interested than they are committed. There's a difference between interest and commitment. When you are interested in doing something, you do it only when it's convenient. When you are committed to something, you accept no excuses, only results. See, when you're interested, you'll come to church if you've got nothing else better to do. But when you're committed, you don't make excuses. You say, you know what, I'm there. I'm there. Or you know what? Even worse, you only show up when it's your time to surf. You come ready every time. Ready to serve, ready to love, ready to greet, ready to be kind. Could you imagine if we said, you know what? Today's the 15th. I got to be kind on Sunday. It's my turn. You know, that's what people look for is genuine. They want somebody who's real. 
They don't care what you know. You speak in Greek. You can interpret tongues. You, can, you, you, know, you, you know Hebrew. They don't care what you know. They want to know that you care. They want to know that you know what? I'm there for you. We love you. We want to see you thrive. We want to see your marriage thrive. We want to see your children grow up healthy. We want to see you develop in the kingdom of God. That is the objective of our, of our ministry is to see people grow, reach them. They're taught. They're mended. And then God will send you into where he's called you. It's not send you out into the field. Hey, brother, you've been here six months. Africa's calling you. Send you into wherever, whatever the ministry we're serving. The thing is, is that when you interact with people, you break out of that comfort zone. We got to stop using the, the excuses that, oh, I'm shy. No, you're not. No, you're not. I've seen, I've seen some of you before you came to Jesus. And you could throw down. You could throw chancla, you could, man, you, you, some of you had the gift of gab, but now you cannot say anything. Oh, you know, I'm, a, I'm, a, I, I'm afraid that this, or I'm afraid of that. Sometimes we just need to step aside out of that comfort zone and say, you know what, God, just use me. Sometimes it's as simple as saying, you know what, can I pray for you? Well, I don't have all the words or I don't have it. You don't need to. Just hold their hands and just say, God, you know their need. Touch them. Minister unto them. And just, you know what, reach out to them. Be friendly. Can we be friendly? Commitment is a promise to yourself with actions. Where you say, you know what, God, I'm going to be there. Sunday night for prayer, and I'm going to show up. God, I'm going to, I'm going to be there on time for work, and you know what, God, I'm going to, I'm going to you know, reach out to that, that neighbor who's, you know, and I'm going to be friendly. I'm going to, that is action, is following what you're committed to. We look at the rich young ruler. He wanted eternal life. He asked, what do I need to do to attain it? Jesus tells him what he needs to do. And he says, well, all that I've done, he says, well, sell what you have, give to the poor and follow me. See, he was interested, but he wasn't willing to commit. He was interested in eternal life. Could you imagine? He could have been another disciple. But he, his purpose was not where it was. His purpose was within his wealth and what he has attained. See, sometimes we, we need to be willing to let go of the things that we want to hold on to so tight. How many here have God has told you, you know, let that go? I have something better for you. But no, man, you've got the choke of the uh, death holding on to it. You won't let it go. So tightly, and God's trying to take it out of your hands, and you're doing it even tighter. And God says, just let it go. And you know what? Sometimes God will let you hold on to it. To show you that it's not for you. To show you that there's no value in it. To show you, look, that that relationship is not going to work. God's saying, look, let it go. Just let it go. See, John had a commitment. In, first, in John chapter 1, verse 20, it says, and, and John the Baptist 
did not fail to confess, but confess freely, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He says, no, I am not. Are you the prophet? No. See, John's greatness was that he never lost sight of the mission. He was committed to the point, everyone, to Jesus. He could have took, the, he could have took all the, the heat off of himself, of all the questioning, all these things, by just saying, oh, yeah, yeah, that's me. That's me. Oh, if, if you want to give me that, go ahead, I'll take it. But no, he was committed to his mission to point people to Jesus. He said, look, I'm not even worthy to walk in his sandals. I'm here as a messenger pointing people to Christ. So that was his commitment. And in verse 23, John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of the one calling in the wilderness. Make straight, straight the way for the Lord. He was committed. See, he could have took the suspicion off of himself, but he was committed to what God had called him to do. He, had, he possessed direction and drive. Direction. There are those here this evening who are struggling with the direction that God is taking you to. Because you don't think that you're capable of it. God is telling you to look to him. Trust in him. If you look at, if you have a strong desire to do something for God and you feel God is leading you, walk in it. Pray about it. Let people know. Don't keep it to yourself. Just say, you know what? Uh, God has been showing me these things. And I, wanna, I want you to pray with me that God would just show me what it is that I need to do. God will do it. God will do it. I remember when God started just to, just to give me that desire. I didn't want the desire. I just wanted to come to church. I was only interested in going to heaven because I knew it. But I knew that once I committed to Christ that, that there was no turning back. I knew that once you make that commitment that you have to just go all in and say, you know what, Jesus, I'm going to do exactly what you want me to do, whatever it is that you want me to do. And then when God started to show me that little pattern of where I was going, I didn't see it. I didn't see it in myself. But I just started to say, you know what, God, if this is going to happen, you need to, you need to show me. And God started putting me in front of the right people. God started giving me a, 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 a discernment of things. And God started speaking to me and my wife. And God started showing my wife. And my wife would share with me the, the things that God was showing her. And I was able to grasp it and say, you know what? Okay, God, I know where this is going, God. I know where this is, where this is leading, God. But it's going to be your will, God. It's going to be you that's going to do this work because I can't do it. I can't do it. And if you're saying that to yourself that you can't do it, you know what? You're in good company. Because there's a lot of men and women of the, in the Gospels who, could, who said those very words that they could not do it. And God did, it, did a glorious work. It was Moses who said, look, I can't speak. But Moses had some of the best training. And when God said, look, you're going to go there. Who do you say that send me? He said, I am that I am. See, you and I are in a great position. We are in these last times. Where God is going to use us. God is going to give you dreams. God is going to give you words. God is going to give you a desire to do something great in the kingdom of God. We have so many people in this city. So many people around us. But we need to be that light. We need to be that light. So we need to have that drive. A second thing is the comfort. Staying committed and loyal means being willing to be uncomfortable. How many hate being uncomfortable? 
where they say, you know what, uh, at the next meeting, uh, Bill, I'm going to have you give uh, the statistics of uh, where the company's going in the next three months. I don't speak. Can I just send anybody an email? You're uncomfortable. But you accept the challenge. There are some of you here this evening where God is saying, you know what, I want you to put together a little devotional. And I want you to share it with somebody. And and you're going to see God's going to use you. God's going to give you the words. God's going to give you the insight. And it's going to start to come to you. And it's going to start to get you so excited. You're going to start highlighting it and highlighting it. And before you know it, your whole Bible's going to be highlighted. Because you're getting it. You're saying, you know what, God, you're speaking to me. And I love that. And I'm going to do this yellow. And I'm going to do this blue. And whatever this pink one's for, I'm going to do that too. So the comfort, the comfort zone is where dreams go to die. That is exactly where the dreams go to die is in the comfort zone. Where you say, you know what, I just want to be saved. I just want to be here. I'll be there Thursday. I'll be there Sunday. But don't ask me to do anything else. Because it cuts into my time. Cuts into my hobby. It cuts into my, 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 my uh, social media time. It cuts into all these things that I do. I want to stay there. See, if you don't need to jump off the cliff, but you, don't need, you need to push yourself closest to the edges as you could. Sometimes you need to take that step. Even you don't feel it. You say, you know what, God? I don't feel, I, I'm nervous. I'm nervous, God, but it's going to be you. It's going to be you. I, and I'm going to trust in you, God. See, the truth is in our Christian walk, you will have seasons of being uncomfortable. Regardless of outside of the comfort zone is where change takes place and the change needs to take you to the next trait. And that's where you need to learn to say no. It's one of the hardest things to do is to say no to the things that you love the most. To say no. Get a good at saying no to the things that do not move you towards your yes. You say, you know what, God, I'm not going to compromise. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to watch that. I'm not going to listen to that. I'm not going to call that person. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to, you know what, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm just not. Because it's not allowing me to advance, God. It's holding me back. And you learn to say no. And listen, when you start to say no to the things that keep you from your yes, God starts to honor that. God starts to bless you. And God starts to show you. It might, it might not happen all instantly, but it'll take place over time where God starts to honor you and God starts to show you how good he is. And he starts to bless you. See, the thing is, is when I see people that are struggling and they're finding it hard to live for Christ, The one thing that I pray is, is God show them what it is that they need to do. Things that they need to correct. Things that they need to remove from their life. Dead works. Dead works are the works done without any joy. These are the works done out of a compulsion or a necessity. Dead works. Distractions. The definitions are things that prevent someone from giving full attention to something else. It could be a relationship. It could be the, the chasing the dollar. Chasing the dollar. 
I remember this one pastor was sharing with me. He had a young man in his congregation and he said that this man right here came to him and he told him that he couldn't afford to pay his tithe. So he had asked the pastor if he would pray for God to open a door to another position that would allow him to be faithful to church. And they prayed. And the pastor said, shortly afterwards, his bosses came to him and said, we understand that you're looking for another job. How about I give you an increase in your salary and more hours? That was an opportunity for him to say, you know what? It's going to keep me from God. It's going to keep me from doing now, it didn't give him money to start paying his tithes. It just gave him more money to buy more toys. And he says, he's at where he's at. See, we ask God to move in our favor, and when God opens that door, sometimes we're afraid to go through it. You say, you know what, God? It's too good to be true. How many know that God has nothing but good intentions for us? God has nothing but the best for us. God has, God has nothing better to do for his people of God than to bless them and to enrich them. But there must be a commitment on our behalf. Well, we say, God, look it, as I draw closer to you, God, you'll draw closer to me. Isn't that what the scripture says? Draw nigh unto me and I'll draw nigh unto you. As we get closer to God. See, this is, the, this is the point where the people are saying, look it, I, don't, I, I only want to have so much of God before I commit fully. See, that's the state of, of marriages in, in society this day where the percentages are very high for divorce is because at some point in time, someone didn't want to commit no more. Someone didn't want to commit to the marriage. Someone didn't want to take their vows seriously. And so they started to say, they started to become selfish. That me-centric spirit started to say, well, what about me? What about my happiness? See, when you start to commit yourself to God, it's not going to be the easiest road. There's going to be, there's going to be uh, troubled waters. There's going to be times where you're going to feel like, you know, what, uh, what is going on in my life? But I'll tell you this. If you, stay, if you stay faithful, if you stay put and plant yourself into the things of God, God will bless you. God will carry you through the river. God will carry you through every troubled time. He always has. He always will. He's faithful. Even when we're not faithful, God is faithful. Even when we fail, God is still there. God is still showing us the way. God has never, never stopped loving us. Never stopped loving us. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. We're all in the race. We're all in the race. Look at run, walk, or crawl, but stay in the race. Stay in the race. Man, you know what, God? I, I walked up here limping. I had a little hitch in my giddy up, man, but you know what? I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. Look at I know. I know that the time that we have, I want to I spend it doing God's will. I want to see people come to Jesus. I got family. I got a, a lot of family. And I got, I, I got people that look at they, that they need to hear the gospel. I got family that are saying, you know what? When you go, we're going to come and visit you. We're going to come to your church. I want to see them. I want to take as many people into the kingdom of God that want to go. 
That's my, that's my heart. That's where I say, you know what, God, I want to see people change, transform, serving God, being blessed by God. I want to see marriages restored. I want to see young people who are, who are being possessed, who are, who are being chased down by suicide at an early, early age that are being taught. Man, one of my grandchildren was watching a, a, a video on YouTube. And what my daughter found out was that there was a little voice as they're watching the cartoon that's speaking, that's telling them to take their life. Parents, you need to, you need to look at what your children are looking at. You need to watch what they're reading, what they're watching. Sometimes it's so easy just to give them a tablet and walk away. You need to guard them because their minds are very impressionable. Where these things come in and the enemy comes in and he starts to give them all these thoughts. I was speaking to a doctor. She had a young 12-year-old daughter. And she says, keep my daughter in prayer. She goes, she tried to commit suicide. She's a Christian, her and her husband. She said she was admitted to the hospital. Now, the ironic thing is, is that this doctor is a physician at that same hospital in the psych ward. And she said, the enemy has just started to tell me, how am I able to speak to people about the life of Christ when my own daughter is being attacked? And when she started to investigate where this was all coming from, it was coming from her classroom where people were allowed to come in and read and share their lives with them and pull emotions out of them and impart things into them. And they started to develop and started to sink into them and they started to think, well, maybe I have that. Maybe I'm that. She said, I had to get her and take her out of that class. She had to take her out of that class and I had to just sit down with her and just needed to pray with her. See, parents... We need to guard our children, our grandchildren. We need to speak life into them, speak the gospel into them, share with them, pray with them, teach them how to pray. Because if we don't teach them, the world will. Their ways. See, it's so blatant now. I was looking in Brazil where they held a parade, where they were mocking Jesus. And they had characters dressed as the devil chasing after Jesus and mocking and mocking Christ and mocking the things of God until shortly afterward destruction came to that region. See, you cannot mock God. You cannot mock God. And see, when they come against you, they don't come against you in, in your person. They come against God. You're just a representative. You're just a, a voice. You're just a messenger. So we have that champion mindset that we will not give up. One person said this. It says, learn to love the sound of your feet walking away from the things not meant for you. It, sometimes it's going to hurt. Don't get mad if you don't get invited to the party. Don't get mad if... You know what, family starts talking about you and posting things about you. And you feel like, oh, I need to do this. Look, when Jesus hung around sinners, he changed them. They didn't change him. 
Last thing is anchor your actions in consistency. Consistency. It's not enough to be committed and disciplined if you're not consistent. Hebrews 10, chapter 23 said, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Make a conscious decision to remain consistent. Because you're going to have those moments where you don't feel like it. You don't feel like, you ever have those on Monday you don't want to go to work? Right? Come on. See, I couldn't call in sick because I work for a doctor. Because they just say, oh, just come in. Nah. (laughs) So we have those moments. We're just like, oh, we just want to stay there and, you know. But we have to be consistent. Another person said this, if you are persistent, you will get it. If you are consistent, you will keep it. Consistent. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Greater. Sometimes you need to say that to yourself. You know what? When you read that scripture, look in the mirror. Talk to yourself. You ever talk to yourself driving? I know I look crazy. I know it. I see people looking at me and they, you know, I hold up my phone like. (laughs) But I'm talking to myself. You know what, Anthony? Doors are going to open. Doors are, you know what, that no was, you know what, that's a no, but God has a yes for you. Just keep going. Just keep looking. Just keep going. You keep going for if that's If that person says no, go to this person. If that person says no, go to that person. You know, and sometimes it gets a little like, okay, God, when? But I know that God has a plan. I know that God has a purpose. And I know that, you know what, God, I know that you're going to do something great. And I just want to be consistent. I want to be committed. I want us all to stand here this evening. Hallelujah. It starts with commitment. You know, I've talked to people who've wrestled with the thought of should I or should I not give my life to Jesus? Is it, not, is it just okay to just come to church? Come to church. We love you to come. But you would get more out of it when you commit yourself to Christ. Then it means something. It means something. Then you're able to say, you know what? That message was for me. Okay, I need to do that. I need to focus on that. I need to make that a goal. I need to do these things. And you make these small commitments, and then before you know it, they turn into greater commitments. I mean, there are some people who just sometimes just jump in, and they're all in. They're all gung-ho, man. They man, went and bought the biggest Bible they have at the store and everything. God bless you. But maybe you're here tonight, and you, you, you've yet to commit to Christ and say, you know what, Anthony, I want to ask Jesus into my heart. I want to give my heart over to Jesus. Maybe you're a prodigal. Maybe you're away from God. I know what that's like. And it's not pleasant. It's not. Knowing that any moment he could come. 
and I'm not ready. If that's you here tonight, I want you to say a prayer with me. But if the Bible says that if you say it and confess with your mouth, believe it in your heart that you shall be saved. So this prayer I'm going to say, if that's you here tonight and you repeat this prayer, I want you to lift both hands up and say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart and forgive me of all my sins. Wash me in your precious blood. I believe that you died on the cross and that you rose from the dead. And right now, you sit at the right hand of the Father, interceding for me. Help me to commit my life to you. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now to the church. Commitment. Maybe your commitment isn't as great as you want it to be. Or you know it should be. Or maybe you have yet to walk away from some things. Maybe you're still saying yes to the things that you need to say no to. You know. See, that was the one thing that I knew when God was pointing things out to me. I don't like that in you, Anthony. Get that out of you. And when I would give things to him, he would give me something better. It takes time. I'm a work, man, I tell you. But I know that if I continue to follow in these things, being committed, being consistent, saying no to the things that keep me from my yes, and releasing the greatness that is within us, each and every one of us have that Holy Spirit inside of us that are children of God. You need to activate it, your faith. Maybe that's you here tonight and God has spoken to you in one of these areas and you want to make your way up to this altar. I want to open up this altar as the worship team plays and you say, Anthony, I'm just, you know what, that's me. That's me here tonight as the worship team plays.